We are those who overcome. We are the overcomers, the conquerors. Not in the sense of destroying everything in our path, not that kind of conqueror, invader. No, ours runs much deeper. We are people of God's Spirit. So our conquering is basically, according to the writings of John, just getting to the finish line. The way that John uses the language of overcoming, especially as he tells the story of Jesus, is to say, did you make it to the end? Did you finish? Did you live a life of patient endurance, faithfulness, making it all the way to the end of this long, long race? So those of you who have been a part of this long, long race for a long, long time, even though according to the world standards you may not fit the bill of overcomer, according to the story of Jesus and according to the way that John explains this all to us, you are the most overcoming of overcomers. And so if we learn anything from our time in John, because we're just about finished with these writings, at least for now, but if we take away anything from this, let one of the things that we take away be uh, we're doing what God wants us to do, which is to keep on keeping on, and you're doing that well. But still, thanks be to God for 1 John, because 1 John helps simplify some of the difficult message. Even the very confusing language of spirit, water, and blood in 1 John 5 is at least a little bit clearer because of this wonderfully simple little verse that might be a good idea to hang our entire faith upon today. So get a load of this, 1 John 5, 5, who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's it. Who overcomes the world? You believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes, you just did it. You just overcame the world. The language in 1 John 5 is not, who is it that one of these days is going to overcome the world, even though you have no idea when it's going to happen and it feels so far off and we're never going to get there. No, it's who is it overcomes. Present tense, right now. Who overcomes the world? One who believes Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Say yes, you're overcoming the world. And I think that at least the way that John tells this story, it also includes those who sit here and say, well, I want to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm trying to to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Um, you get to be a part of this too. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the ways that you call us into your presence every day. We thank you for your promises. We thank you that even though outwardly by the world standards, um, we do not look 
like those who necessarily overcome. But we thank you for the ways that through your Spirit you are renewing us day by day. You're truly renewing us and shaping us as your new creation. In the name of Jesus, amen. It's been 114 degrees, and coffee shops are selling pumpkin spice lattes. And Hallmark stores are getting out Christmas decorations. So you can think of this in a couple of ways. You can think of this as what those of us who follow Jesus call hope. might also, in biblical terms, be reminded of something Solomon said, that wisdom is knowing the proper time. Back when we were kids, the teachers told us early on that humans have three basic needs. You remember those? Everybody, human people, all of us, three basic needs. What are they? Food, clothing, shelter. Well, but as the good Lord told John... It goes back further than that, even more basic. Our needs, according to John, are spirit, water, and blood. Everything else we say beyond, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, is icing on the cake. Everything. I mean, when John takes all of these stories, all of these things are happening, and says, what does this really come down to? Where does everything begin and end? What is the starting point of faith? What is the finishing point of faith? What does it look like when you're at the starting line of this race? And what does it look like when you get to the finish line? It is, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Now, we, church people, take that starting line, finish line, and everything that's supposed to get us through the race, and we make it much more complicated. But we come by it naturally. The story, as it's been told to us through the years, takes on the form of a library of books this big. So it's no wonder that we too make things a little bit more complex and a little bit more complicated than they have to be, and it's also no wonder that this even wonderful grouping of stories says things along the way that actually creates some confusion. You ever felt that? Reading the Bible, listening to people read the Bible, talking about what God wants, trying to figure out what God wants in your life and those around you, and it's like, this is a lot to keep up with. And then we say we are those who overcome. But what if everything else we say beyond, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, really is icing on the cake? And don't get me wrong, I like icing. But what it really comes down to is that daily commitment to saying, I believe. Just, I believe. So do you want to finish this race? It all comes down to maintaining hope. John, the baptizer, baptized with water. 
And he told us along the way that Jesus would baptize us with the Spirit. That happens in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, the beginnings of our new creation. Then in the second chapter, right after we meet Jesus, Jesus does something yet again that is different with water, going so far as to actually change it to wine. This is our first glimpse in the Gospel of John especially if that's where our story starts with Jesus. This is our first glimpse that the new creation does not play by the rules. And that's good news for us. And I'm going to tell you why this morning. Water's going to play a key role in the Gospel of John. Jesus is even going to walk on it at one point. You see what I mean by creation not having to play by the rules. Wine is going to play a key role in the Gospel of John. In fact, in the same breath that John tells the story of Jesus walking on the water, Jesus then serves them wine and says that they are drinking His blood. Now, that's going to sound morbid to modern ears, especially if we just listen to it and say, okay, that's what Jesus said. But really all Jesus was saying back then was more like whenever I was a kid and you know, would play blood brothers with my friends. What Jesus is doing is inviting us to join in His life. What Jesus is doing is inviting us to join in His life. And then we go to the cross. You're like, how do we make sense of that? What does that mean? Well, just as we join Jesus in His life, which is the first half of the Gospel of John, so too are we invited to join Jesus in His death, the second half of the Gospel of John. But the end of the story is not just the end of the Gospel of John, like around chapters 20, 21. No, no, the story is going to keep going. And it goes into this mysterious book that we call Revelation because John is really fond of mystery. But again, these stories read together keep telling us one main thing. We join Jesus in His life. We join Jesus in His death. But that is not the end of the story. Because as the story continues, the new creation does not play by the rules as we think of them so that you have the Lazarus story, you have the resurrection of Jesus story, and then you have the story in Revelation where all of us, one of these days, get to join in the chorus of heaven that seems to be this gigantic thousands upon thousands of voices encircled around the throne of God. So when the writer of John wrote, 1 John, whether before the gospel of John, which I think is what it is, here are two things he said that have the potential to shape our lives to the core of who the living Jesus today is for the people of God. So one verse out of 1 John 4, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. It doesn't get much more personal than being born of God. And then John writes more about all of this water, 
blood and spirit talk that we need so desperately in our lives today. So this is 1 John 5, 6, 7, and 8. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. And the whole church says amen, right? Noel, be honest here. And it's okay if you want to say what you're really thinking, which is not amen. Maybe it's, and the whole church says, what? Spirit, water, blood, three that testified, spirit, water, and blood didn't come by water only, it came by water and blood. You know what John was saying there? You ever get the feeling that when you read the Bible that everyone else knows what's going on except you? Well, I have really, really good news for you today. In what was considered for years to be the standard commentary series on theologians and people who study the Bible's shelves, preachers, teachers, all that sort of thing, the Word Biblical Commentary series, Stephen Smalley wrote, again, at the time, what was considered to be the standard commentary on the letters of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Well, he introduced the passage at hand that I just read this way. And you all know, if y'all, you know I don't stand up here and read from commentaries, but you just, you had to hear this, especially after such a confusing set of verses that leaves you wondering what is going on here. Okay, so here you go. What does John mean by saying that Jesus Christ came by water and blood, not in water only, but in water and blood? The original reference was no doubt easily accessible to John's readers, but it is less obvious to us. There are three major approaches to the explanation of this passage. Now, let me tell you what Smalley was really saying in his introduction there because I speak theological, so I know what he was trying to say here. He was saying in so many words, we have no idea what John meant. No idea. He was actually being speculatively generous, in my opinion, to suggest that John's listeners knew what he was saying. Especially when we consider all of John's apocalyptic and wild hair imagery, all of this stuff that he uses, my counter-suggestion is that half the time when they were reading John's writings out loud to the churches of the late 1st and early into the 2nd century, most of the people, most of the time, looked at each other in confusion with question marks floating over their heads. So, you're in good company. You know, the original 
you know, so, some of our people and sort of the way that we've been doing this for a while is that we've said for years, what if we go back and kind of restore the New Testament churches? You've heard that before, right? You know, what if, what if we are able to actually restore what it was like to be a Christian in the first century? Well, we're doing it today. Because like the original recipients of 1 John, we are sitting here saying, I eh, don't know what it means by all this spirit, water, and blood thing. Now, I could share with you a small summary of the, the three ways to approach this, which, again, in theological speak, are best guesses. We, we really, seriously, have no idea what John meant by that language. We have nothing to go on. We don't have anything to compare it. So we're left with these three guesses. You know, I, I could share with you those, but Leah and I could not figure out how to paperclip pillows to the order of worship. It is a lot of explanation. What it comes down to, water and blood, they think, are tied somehow to the baptism and crucifixion of Jesus. Have you ever heard that? Well, the reason that you've heard it is because people have kind of been guessing the same thing for 2,000 years. We don't know that that's what it is. In fact, if you read 1 John in context, that reading just comes out of left field. There's nothing up to that point that really suggests that that's what John is doing. Maybe it is. I mean, it seems logical. But what if John was doing something more than that? I mean, since John, in context, is talking about the Lord's commands and how the Lord's commands are not burdensome, and us just trying to get through life sometimes, that explanation does kind of just seem to come out of left field. And, you know, even as I was writing this sermon, I got to the point in my own prayer and study where I thought to myself, why am I preaching this passage? You know, couldn't I have preached something easier like, the four horsemen of the apocalypse? You know, why, why do I assign myself these passages that are so hard? And then I remembered, oh yeah, God is love. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now just sit with that for a minute. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Maybe it's tied to baptism and crucifixion, but in context, John spends a lot of time talking about being born of God, of us coming from the very heart of God, that we come from God. Well, what does that mean? I don't know, but I like the sound of that. 
spirit, water, and blood. Dear God, what do you mean by that? And I wonder if God's answer, and I suggest this humbly with fear and trembling, reserving the right to be wrong, but I wonder if God's answer might be something along the lines of, for now, just trust me. I gave birth to you, and I will continue to sustain your life to the very end, so much so that the end is not going to be the end. I'm shaping you into a new creation. Yeah, God, but look, look at this. I look around and it just looks like we are wasting away. It looks like everything is falling apart. When I look at the world, why does it look like this? And God says, you were born of me. I gave birth to you. I will continue to create you. I will continue to sustain you. If you want to overcome the world, which I think all of us do, just believe in Jesus. Keep believing in Jesus. We're bringing everything together. It's slow by your estimates. And you may not see the growth, but I promise you that the new creation is closer than we think. And so, what does that leave us to do as the people of God? I was always confused when I was a little boy watching movies with my grandmother because she loved musicals. And they just confused the daylights out of me. Because these people would be talking and it was normal, everyday situations, and then all of a sudden, they would start singing and dancing. I was like, where did that come from? I'd never seen anything like that. And then I started going to church, some with friends, some with family members. You know, we'd go visit and people were standing around in rooms just like this one. People were standing around and they were talking and shaking hands and hugging and everybody was smiling and then all of a sudden they would turn and face the front and all start singing. And I was like, this is just like in the movies. This is just like what they do in the movies, just out of the, out of the blue. They just start singing. But then I started listening, especially as I got older and started taking all of this stuff seriously. I started listening to the lyrics, because I'm a lyrics man. That's, I, I, I dig on lyrics. So I started listening to the lyrics. And I started hearing things that I thought, okay, even if sometimes all of this doesn't make sense and I can't explain it, there's something about singing it out loud together that makes me go, okay, okay, I, I get it. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. 
As the deer thirsts for water, so my soul longs after you, O Lord. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Spirit, water, blood. We remember that with all of our knowledge and so-called wisdom, this whole following Jesus lifestyle is about more than just walking, but trusting the Lord as we walk in Christ. And trusting that the living Jesus equips us to finish the race. Even when it's 114 degrees and they start selling pumpkin lattes, We are overcomers. We are in the middle. We're still in the middle of this race. And I testify to you today that God will take care of the rest. Just hope. For now, just believe. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's you, that's me, that's us together. Even though some days belief feels like little more than just wanting to believe. And the good news is, I think God understands. Amen.